Hello and welcome to the Educators Gate Podcast. My name is Seth Tripp and today is Wednesday, August 1st, 2018. This is episode number 31. Can you believe it's already August? I don't know about you, but summer has both flown by and also dragged on. The days seem to drag on longer the further we have gotten into the summer. Probably some sort of scientific explanation, more likely that our two tiny tyrants have become more tyrannical and need routine of daycare ASAP, and Rachel and I need some time around adults who we aren't married to. Last time on the podcast, I talked with math teacher Karen Ridge, who also serves as a flight medic in the Air Force. She told me how she finds balance between her two jobs with the help of her supportive husband. If you haven't listened to that one yet, you should. It's interesting how Karen finds those two very different jobs actually work really well for her. Check that out on major podcasts and social media platforms at Educator Escape. Yesterday, I released a blog post about laughter and humor. I'm not in the doghouse too bad for throwing Rachel's mean sense of humor under the bus. Go give that a read and tell me what you think about the laughter advantage. Today, I talked with sixth grade teacher Angie Adams. Angie teaches at Blue Academy in Decatur Township in Indianapolis, which is a STEM school. Join me for my discussion with Angie about her value in student-to-teacher relationships and some amazing projects and lessons she employs to foster those connections. Here's my interview with Angie Adams. What is the last movie that you went to see? Uh, I went to see Mamma Mia, the second one, with my mom and sister and stuff. Was it any good? Yes, it was. Okay. I uh, I only saw the first one, and Pierce Brosnan singing in that one was enough to turn me off for the second one. You kind of have to like just acknowledge that it's kind of cheesy. <laughs> Great. <laughs> That's fair. Um, Cher singing ABBA songs is definitely an interesting thing. But, yeah. Okay. Is that your favorite musical? Uh, no, I can sing almost every word for Chicago. So that kind of leads me into my second question, which was, which would be if you were to sing, if you were go out with friends to do like karaoke, what would be your go-to song? Oh, your wife knows the answer to this because we always sing Total Eclipse of the Heart. Oh, that's correct. Yes. Total Eclipse of the Heart. Do you have to have, do you have to get some people to sing it with you though? Oh yeah. I am not a singer on my own. Oh, I wasn't accusing you of being a a bad singer. (laughs) I was just saying, I've only ever seen the sisters sing it together, not solo. Yes, we always are together. It's like a circle of us. (laughs) (laughs) We like lose the line and all of a sudden we merge. (laughs) If you had the money, what is one household chore that you would pay somebody to do? Oh, washing silverware? Or putting away clothing. I don't know why. Like, I always leave the silverware to last, and it just, I hate it by then. I'm like, no, I don't want to do this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Or putting away clothes, because that's just, I think we're all horrible at that. We're like, yep, that basket needs to be put away now. (laughs) Yep. Many a times I've started laundry from the previous week, or from this week, and there's still a, a laundry basket of folded clothes sitting in the middle of the floor from the week before yep 
The bad thing is it's just one of me. You guys have more, and I still am like, nope, I don't want to do that. <laughs> this isn't even my stuff. I can't even put it in my stuff. Yeah. Okay, okay. And I get the dishes thing, because you're like, I spent all my energy on that crock pot, putting it away somewhere. <laughs> and now all these, all of these just salad forks are just clogging up and everything. Forks you have to get between the prongs. Oh, it's just too much work. I got you. Or water bottles. Washing water bottles is pretty awful, too. There's just all those little nooks and crannies, and I'm like, there's no way. No way to clean all <laughs> Okay, last one. What is the longest that you have ever gone without sleep, and why did you go without sleep for that long? Oh, it had to be college, and it could have been for the fact that, oh, no, that's not true. I travel a lot. And so when you have layovers and things, and then, like, just recently I went to San Francisco, and we left at 5 o'clock in the morning from Indy. But I got up at 2 o'clock in the morning to get ready and get everybody together. And then when we got there, we wanted to actually explore for the day. So I was up for nearly 24 hours. And it's just because I wanted to soak up all the funness. <laughs> I got you. I can't, I can't even sleep in those places anyways so yeah i can't sleep on a plane i don't i used to be able to i just can't i'm like no it's uncomfortable <laughs> they've seen those airlines where they've taken away the seats completely and you have to sit on the floor do you seen those so they can put more passengers on them no i don't think i would be down for that i'll pay more money <laughs> yes give me a salt yes safety concerns and no no <laughs> i got you in terms of who you are as a teacher and how you got started in education, could you tell me a little bit about your journey into when you started thinking about being a teacher into where you are now? Actually, it goes back to first grade. I love the fact that my teacher's high heels clacked on the floor. And so I wanted to be a teacher so I could be cool and make noise when I walked down the hallway. <laughs> but by the time I got to middle school, high school, I was like, oh, that's so cliche. Everybody wants to be a teacher. And so I kind of veered away from it and decided I want to do psychology in college. But my first semester, I took an education class. And as soon as I walked in the classroom, I was like, nope, this is where I'm supposed to be. And so I, when I declared my major, it was for education. And I also did some tutoring, like peer, the high schoolers went and worked with the elementary school kids in high school. And that also kind of started pushing me back towards teaching just because some of the kids were like, oh, my mom said I could drop out in eighth grade. And I'm like, whoa, 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 no, no. <laughs> you need a positive role model in your life. Uh, and education is important. So that's kind of why I went on this path. Okay. So you graduated. You got your degree. What's your What's your path from your degree to now? What have you done? Where have you been? My first position, there weren't a lot of teaching positions available when I graduated, so I became an IA. I taught technology to 500 kindergartners at a centralized kindergarten building. And so I taught four, three different classes a day of that, and I also did reading intervention for them. Okay. And so I did that for two years. It's crazy. Within my first two years, I taught over a 1,000 kids, all kindergarten. Okay. <laughs> and then I started teaching, and I got a sixth-grade position, and my first position I taught, I or sorry, my first year I taught all subjects for sixth grade. And then the year after that, they decided to departmentalize. So I had a partner teacher. She was the perfect yin to my yang. And she taught language arts and I did math, science, social studies. 
And we did that for two years. And then I was seeking new opportunities. And I ended up going to IPS, which is Indianapolis's inner city schools. Mm-hmm. And the school I taught at was really unique because there was only one class per grade level. So even though we were super inner city, we were a tiny little community. And I was the only sixth grade teacher there. And I taught all subjects for the last two years. And then now I went back home because my school changed. They changed formatting. So I kind of had to find a new job. And so I decided to go back home to Decatur Township. And I now teach sixth grade science and social studies. Very cool. What was that like being the only person in a grade? How was that experience? Luckily, I had experience already with the grade, but it was really hard because there was nobody really to collaborate with or bounce ideas off of. I had to use like old colleagues or friends. Right. And I mean, I work with this special education teacher, but I definitely felt like an island a lot of the time. But I also I like learned about all the other kids. Like I knew kids from preschool all the way up. So I definitely felt like I was a part of the community and I knew the families and I knew the kids but definitely felt like an island when you're going to plan and when you're dealing with some issues because sixth graders are their own creature. I joke that I work at Cedar Point. They're happy, they're mad, they're sad. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And so sometimes the other teachers just didn't understand the issues I was having. So, yeah. Okay. And then you said you worked with, you did a a co-teacher situation. I've always wondered, and I'm going to talk to a a, a co-teacher group here soon but i've always wondered how is that you said you said they're your yin to your yang what makes a good co-teaching situation in your opinion what made yours good we i wouldn't say define us as co-teachers because we had our own separate rooms we just switched half day but i have i did co-teach in that position kind of with our sped teacher and you just have to when you're co-teaching, a lot of what the training is right now is that you have to plan together, you have to analyze assessments together, and you have to teach together. And I think that's key because you know what kids need what, and you're able to divvy up the duties kind of and the teaching so that you're making sure that you're reaching all of your kids to the best of their ability. When I worked with the SPED teacher, I divided my class into four groups, and I'm sure this is not PC, but I had like... <laughs> a low, a medium low, a medium high, and a high group. And so I would teach the main meat of the subjects to all of them, but then halfway through we would switch and she would have a small group on whatever skill they needed or she they had independent stations that they could be working on that she could go work with them as well. And I saw the most gro- growth out of my kids, so it's really effective. Kids really grow because they're not being met just once And they're not just hitting on the subject that you're trying to teach right then, but they're also able to get support and go back and review skills. And sometimes when you're the only teacher, it's hard to make sure that they're getting those review at a station or something like that or a rotation. So it was really nice to have that balance. Very cool. So one of the reasons why Rachel pointed me in your direction is because you're doing something right now where you're trying to get postcards from all across the world. Rachel's looking for a postcard to send to you from okay. from St. Louis. So what kind of inspires you to kind of to do this, to kind of gather those postcards? And what are you hoping to, to show kids 
from it? Or is it just you? Is it just like a personal thing for you? It definitely started with my own kind of project of heart. I love traveling. When I was younger, my parents didn't have a lot of money to go on vacations and stuff, but I loved learning about other places. And then when I graduated high school, I went to Italy and Greece right after I graduated. And that was a really fun experience for me. And I just learning about a new culture and meeting new people. And it was just such a wonderful experience for me. And since then, I've traveled to a lot of places. My goal is all 50 states. I'm only at 17 right now. And I've traveled to London. And, you know, I've just done a lot of traveling. And I realized when I started teaching that my students, especially sixth graders, they're in their own bubble. They know about their city. They know about their family, their neighborhood. And so just trying to get them to have a world mindset, world mindset. And so that's kind of why I started it the first time I did it. I haven't done it for the last few years, but just trying to get them to open their minds to, you know, ideas and cultures around the world and just think about other places. I know recently on a TV show, they had a map with no names on it or anything. And they ask adults to name the countries and they couldn't do it. And that's just devastating to me mm-hmm. because I think we are in a, like it, everything is global. We hear about news around the world. We, you know, I, people travel back and forth, people do business and you just have to be more, you know, aware. So that's kind of why I do it. And I like for people to like share a little bit about why they love different places. Okay. And definitely this year I'll have kids that are a little bit more, diverse background and so just hearing about their families will to pull that into would be interesting okay i really like that i too love learning about other places i love that you talk about being a being global you know there's a big thing you hit on in the social studies especially in that grade is is you hit on citizenship and then being a global citizen i think is something that's essential to the social studies and putting that in right now in the fifth and sixth great i think is necessary and and really cool that you're doing it in that way because for me when i was in the classroom as a as a student i was i didn't have as much interest in what the teacher was saying as the things that were on the teacher's wall (laughs) to be to be (laughs) to be honest um if i can be honest and so having that out there to see is 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 pretty cool and then it kind of shows that you're kind of a fun person i think as well to the kids it's sort of another bridge to creating a relationship definitely i'm gonna how do you create relationships with students and in your opinion what does a healthy teacher student relationship look like and why why is that important academics are definitely important but especially i mean and i keep going back to sixth grade but i just feel like they are so emotionally driven at this age I definitely start the year off with my expectations and relationship building. And so we start off with, I do something which I'm going to have to change up this year, but I call it math behind Miss Adams. And so I just trying to put myself out there a little bit so they know about me. And then also just getting to know them as people. I do surveys at the beginning of the year that I have them filled out. And I also have their parents fill out a survey just so I have some background knowledge and have some idea of what their interests are and how I can bring that into the classroom. And I've been known in the past, I am a little sarcastic and I like to joke. I feel like I need to work on when I start introducing that into the classroom. (laughs) But I definitely think it makes it feel personal because they like you being human, even making mistakes. Like I make mistakes and we have a whole entire lesson at the beginning of the year on when somebody makes a mistake. How do you respond to that? 
And so I just teach them like, I'm human. I make mistakes. I'm not afraid of saying sorry. I'm not the teacher that doesn't smile till December. Like, mm-hmm. that's just not me. I am who I am. And I, my kids are receptive to that. I think when you act, when you are true to yourself and you share what you love and what you're passionate about, they get pulled into that and they want to know more. I have seen some people where they take it to almost a friend zone. And mm-hmm. I definitely don't do that with my kids. Not that I'm not friendly to them, but like I'm not their friend. I try to be a role model for them. And so sometimes they'll do things and I'm like, oh, that's not appropriate. So you kind of also have to be that like mother figure also like, Mm -hmm. nope, there are lines and you have to be appropriate and you can't joke about that in class or use that language. And so I kind of definitely try to pull that kind of stuff into. I have lunch with my kids a lot to build relationships with them as well. I go to baseball games. I go to plays. I just try to be a part of their life and show them that I value who they are, too. I don't know. No, that's kind of pieces of it. <laughs> no, that's cool. No, that's good. I think that's a really good a model to follow. And I think it also gives makes it easier when you're starting to teach down into the subjects that you're going to have to teach, and it makes it easier. They want to, they want to learn from you because they have a relationship with you. And I'm just really honest with my kids. Like last year, I knew that my position wasn't going to be there anymore. And I was like, all right, we're a team. And, you know, I have to sell myself to a new employer. And so we have to do things so that we can, you know, show that my strengths and what I'm good at. And so they they got on board. They were like, okay, so what do we need to do? And so they were really willing to try new things and be a part of a team. And I think like I don't put myself as like the head. I'm like, we're a team. We work together. You said you talked about how you really like doing projects and project-based learning and stuff. What is the best, quote-unquote, project that you have done so far? And what makes that a good project, in your opinion? My best project that I've ever taught is a biome project. I've done it every year with my kids. It actually started with another teacher started it, and I kind of have just grown and adapted it over the years. So what I do is I have my kids, we learn about different ecosystems and we start with that kind of stuff in science. Then we dive more into it. I have my kids read about it in reading and we end up doing a writing project and it's like the biggest one that they do for informational writing and I'm always like it has to be five pages and that's terrifying to sixth graders yeah but by the end they've learned so much they have about five pages of information and I've really worked on like structuring it to where they know exactly what needs to go where and so they get confident they get confidence with their writing which I don't feel like kids really have right now Mm -hmm. and so I pull it into reading I pull it into writing and then definitely it touches on the science pieces of it and even our social studies because we talk about different parts of the world and they have to know where that's at. And then finally, we present it at what I call the biome museum. And so then all the other kids in the school or grade or whatever, where I've been, get to come in and see their projects and they present them for them. And it's really cool because principals come in, families come in, the other kids come in. It's just my kids are always so proud. Uh, Sorry, they create a diorama to go with it or a poster. And so we're bringing in the art aspect as well. And by the end, my kids are always so proud and they're so knowledgeable. And sometimes like you get so in the mix of editing their papers and making sure they got their project turned in and all that. And then all of a sudden they're presenting to people and you're like, oh, my gosh, you learned so much. (laughs) And so it's just so awesome. And 
watching, especially the last two years, my kids were presenting to kids from pre-K all the way up to fifth grade. And they would change their, even for the principal, they would change their demeanor. So I'd have little, they would be down with the little bitty kids and like, well, this is a rock and these are trees. And then when they got to the adults, they'd be like, oh, well, this is a coniferous forest. And, you know, like they definitely learned to use their vocabulary and adapt it to who their audience was. Very cool. So what is your favorite part about doing that cross-curricular project? Why is it, why is it important, in your opinion, to make things cross-curricular? I had a kid tell me two years ago, she said, everything you teach connects to each other. And I think they need to realize that. Kids need to see that what we're teaching you does all go together. When you go get a job, you're not going to go get a job just for one subject. They're not going to be like, oh, you're not, you don't have to read. You just have to do math. And so I think just letting them know, like, this is real world. All of it actually comes together. It's all connected. And they make those connections, which makes their understanding stronger. And they learn so much more from it when they're putting all these different pieces together and they're like, Oh, Hey, this is instead of, you know, looking at, <laughs> it's kind of just putting together those puzzle pieces and they see the whole picture at the end. So I got you. So I'm, so I would guess that you get a lot less of the whole, when are we going to use this? Because they can actually see I'm going to use this here and I'm going to use this here. So is that, have you noticed that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I get a little pushback on like the length of the assignment or when is it due. So, but overall, like they're eager to do it and they're excited, especially now that I've done it for a few years, they see other people's and I swear every year their projects get better because it's like they want to one up the other group. (laughs) And so, or like in the past few years, they've got to see the other kids do it and they're like, oh, that's so cool. And so then they just learn a little bit more from it. What are you doing the first week of school. What is your what is your plan the first week of school at getting things started? Like I mentioned earlier, it's really about building relationships and mm-hmm. procedures for the kids. I know that there's that thing going around Facebook right now. You teach procedures the first two weeks and then you don't have to worry about it the rest of the year. And so that's a big thing that I'll be doing. But I will start teaching day one. We'll do a little bit of science information, getting that out there, just because I feel like they need to know this those procedures connect to us learning. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much what I'll be doing. And then I tried to, I've done a lot of PBIS training and teaching in all the schools I've taught in. So I'll teach whole group the first couple days. Since we're starting on a Thursday, it'll probably be this week. I'll do whole group. And then, so they'll see what are my expectations for whole group. And then we'll do a day of partner work. What does it look like to work with a partner? What does it look like to work independently? What does it look like to work as a whole group or sorry, small groups? Gotcha. And so I kind of just blend those procedures into the lessons I'm teaching Mm -hmm. um, so that they know what's expected of them and so that they can be productive and successful through this year. Very cool. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to a relative stranger. I, uh, I've seen their passing, right? <laughs> yes, we have. We've seen it. it was, it's, it's usually been when you're singing Total Eclipse of the Heart that I've seen <laughs> it. Well, I just want to say good luck on your on your school year. And, oh, could you, if you don't mind, is there a an address that people, if they're listening to the podcast from other parts of the world, that they could send a, a postcard to you? School address, it's Blue Academy. The address is... Five six five zero 
South Man Road. Man is spelled with two N's, so it's M-A-N-N, Indianapolis, Indiana, 46221. Okay, good luck as you get started, and enjoy getting to move into your classroom. And uh, thank you so much for talking to me. Thank you so much, and I enjoy your podcast, and so I'm excited to continue hearing more things. Thank you for joining me, Angie. I'm so glad we found the time to chat as you start the new school year. Thanks for telling me about the postcard and biome projects. Best wishes on a great school year. If you would like to follow us on social media, you can search Educator Escape on Facebook, Twitter, and on Instagram to get updates on the podcast. You can go to educatorscape.com and check out the blog and any old episodes that we have. On Friday, Joe Simpson... Choir teacher, activist, and all-around good guy joins me to share his passions. I hope you will join me for that episode on Friday. Thank you again for listening. See you back here on Friday.